Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Dan Kyo Wellness Project podcast. Thanks a million for tuning in. This is Dan here and I am a counsellor and psychotherapist in training in Dublin Business School in Ireland. I'm also a social care worker with Focus Ireland and we provide support to families and individuals who are experiencing homelessness. I am extremely passionate about wellness, which is why I set up this podcast. And I've been talking to people week by week from different disciplines about what it is that they do to increase their wellness. My hope is that you will listen as the weeks go by and take just one small thing from each episode that might inspire you to take the action that you need to become happier in your day-to-day life. My guest on today's episode is Colm Keegan. He is a writer and performance poet from Dublin, Ireland. Since 2005, he's been a shortlisted four times for the Hennessy New Irish Writing Award for both poetry and fiction. And he also won the All-Ireland Poetry Slam in 2010. In 2015, he was awarded a residency in the Lexicon, Ireland's largest public library. He is a creative writing teacher and founder of the Inklinks Project, a creative writing initiative for young writers. In 2011, he was nominated for the Dublin Fringe's Little Gem Award for the spoken word play he co-wrote with Stephen James Smith and Callie Ryan. This play was called Three Men Talking About Things They Kind of Know About. This play toured Ireland and sold out in Bristol, London and Paris. His debut collection of poems, which is sitting right beside me here in my flat, is called Don't Go There. It was released in 2012 to critical acclaim and is available from www.salmonpoetry.com. He's also one of the organisers of Lingo, Ireland's first spoken word festival. I have known Colm for about four years now. I've followed his progress as he has performed his poetry all over Ireland and um, he's one of my biggest inspirations in terms of creativity and taking risks in order to increase your wellness and I'm just so happy that he decided to come on today. For the listeners in the UK, in America and in Canada, uh, this episode will be a lesson in how to speak Dublinese so if you do need any translation just get me on Dankyo Wellness Project on Facebook or Dankyo Wellness Project at gmail.com. So, guys, sit back, relax, and really enjoy the next hour of conversation I had with uh, one of Ireland's top poet and writers, Colm Keegan. I am so delighted to have Irish poet Colm Keegan on the show this week. Hi, hey, Colm, how's it going? How's it going, man? You well? I'm very well. Good stuff. We um, have to do the Irish thing that people always do, or that Irish people always do, I would say. Jay, some weather we're having, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's unreal. And then some people will say to you, oh, but how long is it going to last? <coughs> you know, but I never say that. Just yeah. fucking drink it in, man. It's or, great. Or people will say, oh, it's too hot for me. Yeah, yeah. So, look, what, no matter what the weather, we find a way to complain about yeah. it. Some people yeah. will anyway. Yeah, exactly. But it's a lovely feeling out there. Everything's alive. Yeah. Everything's grown. Everything's exactly. fucking, you know, yeah. green. Yeah. Green everywhere. <laughs> lovely, beautiful, resonating green. It's going yeah. quivering in the air. It's just deadly. It's beautiful. People are very excited. Yeah. So it's that like, um, Thing you actually want to snog the trees, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, <laughs> they're so beautiful. Yeah, get, get down the dirty with them. Yeah, yeah, but that look a bit weird though, you know, if you're in the park. Yeah, you know what I mean? But who cares what anyone else thinks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reminds me that's what I look at fucking yourself. I'm obsessed with nature, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, maybe that's a stupid, obvious thing because everyone is, but I don't know. Like, I don't weird. think everybody is. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, when I was younger. I met this dude and uh, he was talking, he was he was actually like, he believed in like Native American Indian spirituality, that right. was his thing and he had a spirit guide and like, he'd go off on vision quests and yeah. travel around, he would visit reservations and stuff and he came back and he was like, I had a really intense moment with a buffalo. <laughs> we just looked at each other and we saw each other. 
And I was like, and I bought it. Like I really believed him because oh, I yeah. want to see this. It was, it was really intense. Yeah. Powerful man, you know. And uh, yeah. I was really inspired and kind of uh, boy. And I got I got into all that Native American stuff like myself yeah. and I started reading up on it and all. And uh, I love the whole buzz of just that, you know, na- God is nature, you mm. know, and that kind of almost pagan thing. And uh, it, I never loved, loved this idea that um, when you see something beautiful and you get that weird quivery feeling inside, that's like yeah. creation singing. That's God talking to people. Yeah. But they'd say God in quotes, like, you know, yeah, be yeah. God, God. Like an air and it's different God. for every person. Yeah. But it's more the feeling that people share that's the same. Yeah, and I used to, I used to teach kayaking to young people around here in Clonlock. And, yeah. and uh, I used to stop at the kayaks and get out and go, wait, you see this, lads, wait, you see this. And I'm like, oh, what was it, was it? I get like, you know, five or six young fellas, like yeah. 12, 14 year, year olds. They go off like standing at first and say, look at this. And they're like, look at what? I'm like, all of this. And they're like, what, what? This is those trees, man. I was like, yeah, that's what I brought you to see. Can you not feel it? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And they're like, you yeah. fucking weird, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that the most difficult thing, though, when you are in that reverie of feeling that intense connection with whatever it is that you're mm. connected with, something beautiful that you're looking mm. at? You just want to tell the world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. most of the time when you do express it to someone, they look at you like you're three heads. Yeah. Especially twelve year olds from Kandalkin. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can't, you know. But they might think about it that night yeah. or two days later and go, Actually I know what he's talking about now. Mm, yeah, but everyone yeah. has to come to it at their own time. And it's mad like sometimes you, you do like say those like straight legs little twelve year olds from Kandalkin who are embedded in that culture mm. and I think in the way they think that they're supposed to think, or maybe they're not. And you know, and I'd be out with lads like that, and we'd just be having what was great about the kayaking is we'd throw them out in the river, and like the river's like you know, 20 minutes down the road, yeah. But it's like you, you try, you, you kind of you cross over into a new zone, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, it's the it's the rural experience, like yeah. rather than the urban. And uh, they're sort of like all bets are off once you get into that space, they're all just jumping in the water, swimming, doing backflips, and all, and then all of a sudden you're in this just different zone of like just having a crack yeah you know so I mean? just so to, give the, to get a lot of our listeners would be listening from america and uh yeah canada the uk what's a kundalkin what's a kundalkin well they will be wondering about our accents but i have pre- i have prepared them yeah Pre- sorry prepared them i have prepared them because i've been doing the podcast for yeah, the next months now so like yeah, yeah so yeah. you won't be too alien to that <laughs> but to give the listeners a context about a context about kundalkin it's there is that space, kind of countryside space, mm. right next door to a very urban centre. Yeah. Isn't it? And yeah. that's a beautiful thing about this area. And what, what, what Clendalkin is, and what Clendalkin, and I, I like... What you were born and reared here, right? Uh, well, I was kind of, I was all over. Um, started off in Ballymore, then went to Talla, then went to Clendalkin, which was mad because Clendalkin and Talla are very similar in that they were satellite towns. Yeah. So Dublin was planned in a certain way. Or maybe it wasn't fucking planned at wasn't all. Planned. You know, it's this no. hodgepodge confusion, yeah. which is great in itself. But yeah. I think I always think of Dublin like as very porous. Yeah. It's not really, you know, a planned city. It just kind of grows out like, and then there's all pockets of nature within it. Like even if you're yeah. in Finglas, you have to talk the valley, which is yeah. and then don't don't kirk, don't don't kirk, don't <laughs> sink. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't and all around there is like really green and like you know still very alive and full of horses and yeah. nature and all that. And uh, so Clondalk and Finglas, Blanchardstown, Talla are all the same sort of thing. That they were a satellite town that was built outside the city. Um, but then between these towns, there were green belts 
Yeah. So all of us as little teenagers or little kids like would just go off on fucking mad wild yeah, adventures. Yeah. yeah. Beyond the edge of our rural, urban experience and yeah. into the world. And yeah. it's brilliant, you know. It's kind of yeah, very uh, very pastoral buzz in some ways. And because obviously you, you are a poet. Yeah, yeah, well um, you can say that, yeah. You are definitely a poet. I absolutely love the work that you've done and I'm gonna if you don't mind, ask you to read one of your pieces before, right, we, okay, before yeah. we finish today, yeah, if that's yeah, okay. Right, yeah. But my question for you is obviously because this is a wellness mm. project or wellness podcast where I'm trying to talk to people from different disciplines, different walks of life. Everybody has a subjective experience of wellness. Like yeah. what you do for yours is different to what I do for mine. Mm. They're like fingerprints. Yeah. Everybody, everyone's wellness is subjective. Mm. But did you always have that? tendency towards creativity and seeing the world in a different way from a very young age or was it something that you developed later on in life? Um, well, I was always a reader, like, mm. so that was, that's very connected to me wellness on so my understanding of the word and even the word, the phrase wellness, I wouldn't really be familiar with. What does it, what does like it mean Happiness or well-being, you know, or just kind of uh, feeling good about yourself, you know, is yeah. what it like just, and um, I'd always probably have a fairly clear idea of it fairly clear sense of self growing up yeah. you know and I was always I always had there was a couple of different things like I had a stepdad mm. right? so I had an authority in my house that I didn't necessarily agree with you know what I mean <laughs> so I was, I was like you're not my fucking dad you know there was a bit <laughs> of that going on all the time and I had a sense and then I had a father who lived outside so but within that I was always I know who I am and you're not the boss of me yeah. so that's kind of how I identify how I behave in the world a lot of the time yeah and um, but the books then, I always connected, like there was a, I knew there was a culture that I was growing up in, but then I knew that that wasn't everything. Mm. And part of that was because I, I lived between two houses. So I was mm. in Clondalkin and then I was going to Crumlin and I was looking, I was yeah. coming back to Crumlin like an outsider, I was going to Crumlin like an outsider and then I was in Clondalkin like a bit of an outsider. <laughs> you know, I'd spend my summers in Crumlin and come back and they'd be like, who are you? And I'd be like, yeah. oh, the guy that's from outside. And they're like, so what? Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Um, but like, that was, you know, when you're a little kid. Yeah. Um, but like the sense, the idea of being a poet, I would I wouldn't have necessarily been reading or seeing myself in that yeah. role when I was young. But I would have always been commenting, right. or observing, and, and judging like where I was, you know, or yeah. the situation, or and probably seeing things <coughs> from a different perspective to your peers, maybe. I didn't know that I was when I was younger, but I was just thinking. Hey, but you if you reflect back, you probably yeah, yeah. There was a fella that I remember, and there was like there was a, a gang of lads in the estate that were kind of tougher than everyone else, and like we'd be playing football, and then if they turned up, we'd kind of go away, you know. Yeah. So we hung around with lads that might be a bit gentler, you know. What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Fellas that like worried more about their hair and uh, dancing and kissing girls, but weren't into fighting. Not kissing you know? trees, no. No, no. That was just me. <laughs> on my own. Like, they, they left me to that, but. Uh, there was, I remember like, you know, rave culture and all that, when I was a teen, I got into that a bit and it was like kind of, that was my thing, you know, yeah. like I was into Guns and Rows and Heavy Metal and all and I was like, well, fuck that, all the girls seem to be into this, so that's where I'm going, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I remember like there was like, you know, so after, it was after like kind of Acid House and all that kind of stuff, and mm. then it went on to this other phase of like rave culture, yeah. Manchester, Manchester and all that. Yeah. And around that time, like this kind of whole idea of like, tripping like got mushrooms and LSD mm. and all that and like kind of this altered state of experience and I can't remember his name um, famous dude that would have like experimented a lot with that stuff when he was when he was like in the 60s I can't remember is it Neary but like the bands like The Shaman and all would have brought out tracks and it was just him talking of them yeah. so he was very philosophical and it was all about like kind of uh, 
the wider sense of being alive in the universe and all this kind of stuff. So you're listening to that when you're 12, 12 14, 15, mm. and then it was kind of going, right, man, so yeah, tripping is like this higher state of consciousness and blah, blah, blah. Not really experiencing it for myself, but like kind of uh, absorbing the culture of it. Imagining it. <clears throat> yeah, but then we'd be going like, anything interesting that happened. I used to get slagged for this school going, oh, that'd be deadly for tripping off. Yeah. You know, that'd be brilliant for tripping off, you know yeah. what I mean? And people like, yeah, come and like, you know, a fucking a piece of a piece of newspaper and fire and would be waving waving around going, oh, that'd be deadly for tripping off. People are like, you were weirdo, you know what I mean? Like so there was a bit of that. So that would be an example of where you probably were thinking about things from or a different perspective. I was looking a bit harder than other people yeah. or something, but I didn't know that it was, and I still don't necessarily think that it was. You know what I mean? Like, it, it might have been just a bit of a dope. Like, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, in, uh, in schools now, like, here we are in Collinstown Community College, brilliant school that uh, I'm coursing, like, mad at, you know? Yeah. And uh, the, this school has a lot of unit that I walk in and I teach transition is in it for 10 10. Day, 10 weeks right. each time like so it rotates we'll see like, yeah. all the all the transitioners for 10 weeks and we talk about creativity creative writing and all that and the importance of that in their own lives but then outside of that I run two writing groups where mm. young people who are already interested in writing and stuff and like you know um, are a little bit uh, sort of outside of being killed in school you know what I mean it's very interesting and I would have been like them so did you cherry pick them, or did no, you recognise that they were? They just say this thing is this happening, happened. and they would have, they would frequent the library, you know, because they're right. always borrowing books, and then all of a sudden they hear about this thing, and then they want to be involved, and then they find people. It's like they all. And do they remind you of you? Was it? Yeah, but this is the thing I was going to say about like me being probably just like you know saying stupid stuff and whatever. Hmm. You see, with them, they're all brilliant in inklings. So it's the club is called inklings that they're all in. Inklings, they're all just brilliant, like expressive little individuals that are just yeah. like. Beautiful to behold in a way, right? Because they're just like fucking in love with everything, like absolute yeah. nerd. We totally go over, like do the nerd yeah. overkill on like anime or manga or just whatever. It's like you know, yeah. it could be Twilight. God help me, like yeah, yeah. tell that yeah, Twilight is actually okay or whatever, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. And you know, just like and discuss some culture with them and all. But then I see them in that group where they're all themselves, and then I see them in school mm. where they kind of can't be themselves, which is really fascinating to see because and sad. But yeah. they're in like a hierarchical thing where there's a yeah. boy that can knock everyone out with a box and there's a girl that can kill you with a good, good bad look, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and they have to exist within that hierarchy and yeah. they're not really able to be themselves. Yeah. But whereas they come to England and then they can kind of... So we can see similarities with the way I was with my mates. Yeah. But I think that's a really interesting kind of parallel <coughs> with society in general. Can you think, other than prisons, which we'll get onto in a while, can you think of any other kind of life situation where you have to engage in that hierarchy other than school? Business. Mm. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's the same. Society, group dynamics, they're always the same. You have your scapegoats, you have your... But I think, out, yeah, you do, males. but outside of school, you definitely, like when you leave school and you get older mm. and you kind of get a better sense of yourself, you have more freedom to go and join a writing group or do yeah, like, yeah. you choose yeah. your friends you don't choose your family we're not going to get onto that today yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean so school is quite unique in that way where you really have to be in that kind of nearly poisonous atmosphere sometimes if it's not managed of the hierarchy the alpha male the girl yeah, that can yeah. kill you with yeah, a duck yeah, particularly yeah. if you're like the inklings dudes <laughs> yeah. who are just crying out for a situation where they'd be more comfortable Yeah, and that's something that you're able to give to them here yeah and uh, I can't think of any like I can 
I can think of the, the humanity involves a lot of social machinery that you have to exist in regardless of uh, there's kind of no room for the individual sometimes mm. um, and you see that like born out in Ireland like in the state the apparatus of the state how it can ignore people as individuals you know yeah. um, you see it in the skills you see it in see it in the way sometimes uh, society handles itself um, yeah the one rule for all approach yeah yeah like the one size fits all which is like the kind of you know the factory boys like, of, yeah. like you know you, you get the kids into school you get them out to work yeah. in the system and then on it goes yeah, the conveyor belt yeah um, and I suppose a lot of the times in life most people are trying to find a way to exist and stay happy within that yeah. and then some people just have to out and out reject it or get rejected by it. What happens to those? They become the poets. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, I don't know. You just, yeah. Like, um, well, the people who accept it and try to get on with it, I think, are the creatives and, yeah. you know, poets, musicians, um, writers, mm. um, anybody with a creative streak. But actively try and criticise it or walk against it or try and improve it. I think that's, like, probably the greatest human endeavour is to try and make it better for everybody. That's yeah. what I think, what I've, I think, Ideally, the most important thing in life, and what's and the most difficult thing for a lot of people nowadays, especially with the this the the economy the way it is, and the decisions that the government have made to keep the economy going at mm. the expense of people, is that there's a lot of people out there who um, can't grow, and I think growth is the most important element of your wellness, yeah. most important element of all. Absolutely. If you're not growing, you know you're going to feel sad. Yeah. You're going to get depressed. You're going to start. You might even start to turn the fact that you can't grow on yourself. Yeah. Which is what makes a lot of people unhappy. Yeah. You know. Um, so how? What advice do you give to people then who are listening to this episode now and saying, "God, he's onto something there." I haven't been growing. I haven't been. Um, yeah. Listen I haven't to been the, pushing my yeah. own boundaries. What What do I do to grow? What do we do to grow? Do you think? I think so, like. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, a young lad, a young lawyer, he was finding it hard to, um, he's, he's struggling with just mental health yeah. issues, you know, and mm. like a lot of people, a lot of young people especially, um, and he, I just said, like, it's small things forced, you know, like I remember being down, like yeah. very down for a long time, and I didn't even actually know what was wrong with me, and I felt like, like everywhere I turned, I couldn't find the machine, the, the the things I needed to help me get out of it. Yeah. Anywhere I felt like there was blocks everywhere. Yeah. You had and the black dog chasing you around. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I like I don't see. I'm con. I'm cautious of saying I was depressed if I if I wasn't actually depressed. You know what I mean? And kind of like there's a lot of that co-opting going on now. It's like where yeah. people are like, oh, I'm depressed too. You know, you know, like it's me. We're all the same. And, and then it's, it's for some yeah. people it's really difficult. Um, but I was able to get out of it I mean, by myself without medication any of that stuff like that. What but did I, you do? I, I remember just going home and going, I need to paint this gaff man. It's a bit, these walls are dirty and I need to do something about it. And that was that was a start. Kind of a metaphor. Me. Yeah, it was just a stupid little thing. And once I did that, and then I started, I, I started to become aware like of other things that I was doing to myself. Like I was drinking yeah. too much and yeah. I wasn't sleeping right. And yeah. I had a lot of anger and a lot of issues around me job, I was very unhappy with my job and stuff like that. Um, and and then sometimes you just have to hold on until you can like sometimes you can't you don't you can't do what you need to do to grow because yeah. circumstances 
are walking against it. You exactly. Know? But I think the most important thing about what you just said there, and it's in every single podcast that's been mentioned, it starts small. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just the, do one small thing for five yeah. minutes different to what you did yesterday. Mm. Yeah. But it's so crucial to be aware that you're doing it. You can't be mindlessly doing something that you didn't yeah. do. It's a conscious decision. Like a lot of people listening to this would know me through weight loss rebels and mm. my endeavours of my roller coaster ride of putting on weight and now hopefully gonna lose it all by this time next year. Mm. But um if I didn't decide to just do one small thing yeah. every day, I wouldn't be on this path. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about and, wellness. And it's that thing of like caring is enough about yourself mm. is kind of really important in that yeah. as well. It's like, <laughs> and it's, it, sometimes they can, you know, you can fall into this cycle of laziness where you just don't bother doing the thing that you need to do to make yourself yeah. better. And then you hate yourself for not doing it. Exactly. And then it just goes on. Yeah. Um, and with me, like I'd say, my, you know, one thing that I've become very aware of maybe for Ireland and for myself as a writer as well, is that one thing that can get me away is like just saying, just like the whole culture of drinking and just having fun and mm. just saying, right, I'm just going to have to crack tonight and let loose. And then, yeah. now it wouldn't be like I'm 40 now, but I'm talking about when I was younger. Yeah. And it was just this culture of like just partying. And, you know, you're taking away in the night time what you don't get back in the daytime, yeah. you know. Um, exactly. And or you're borrowing from tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> that's that's something that I learned when he's saying like like he's two versions of himself. He's got night guy and morning guy. And night guy is always like fuck it, let morning guy worry about it. <laughs> he can deal with this shit. And uh, Larry, Larry David's unbelievable writer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so he's unreal. Yeah, so talented. But um, so with me, it's like doing the things that just being nice to yourself you know what I mean in a small way and then and then kind of keeping an eye on your own little habits mm. and ways you can wheedle out of your your responsibility to yourself yeah. and it all comes down to me to awareness mm. because I had to sit down I got engaged on December 30th oh, and, nice um, one, thanks man but I, again I was going through a period I was very down on myself mm. very similar to what you were describing there about your tough time yeah. and I said I have to actually become aware now of the little things that I need to change in order for me to get some semblance of wellness or happiness and this yeah. is before I ever came up with the idea of wellness podcast mm. it was more it was more of a, vi- a kind of visceral idea in my head yeah, yeah. I couldn't put words on it mm. um, and yeah it's the I had to gain the awareness of what those little habits are that were yeah. ser- that were not serving me and what are actually the things that make me happy? Mm. And just do that. Yeah, yeah, it's so simple, <laughs> so isn't it? Simple. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I like doing that, I want to do that. Yeah, it's, mm. but it's not simple, mm. I think. It's simple when you're on a roll, and yeah. it's simple to talk about it, you know, con- cognitively now. Mm. But when you're in that, you know, when you're under the weather or you're not yeah. feeling great, that's when it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and sometimes it's just pushing on, like I was listening to one of the other. Uh, one of your other interview is <laughs> and they were saying about sometimes you're just pushing through the day and you just you might be in agony or you might be wrecked tired but you yeah. just have to be there and you're just on autopilot yeah and, and that's and, enough and how like doing that little thing like to, to hear you talking about exercise is fascinating just this whole idea like, and the way it's like being rebranded as movement you know what I mean like, <laughs> I love that idea but like movement I you mean going for a walk yes movement. yeah I'm, I'm like address your emotions with Motion. <laughs> Motion, that's what it is rather than movement. Yeah, yeah. So I'm rebranding yeah, yeah. physical like, uh, effort. Internet motion, emotion. Yeah. But uh, like when 
I was down the way I was, and there was, there was lots of things in my life that I, that would make me unhappy that I didn't want to deal with. Yeah. And one thing I remember was I'd have I'd have like anxiety, like the kind of mm. panic attacks and stuff like that. Um, and then <clears throat> we'd be in the hospital, and I remember one time I was sitting sort of going, I was like, I think it's, you know, what are you here for? I was like, it's my heart. I was like, it's my heart. I think I'm going, you know, whatever. Mm. And we did have issues around the stomach that were affecting the diaphragm and stuff like that. Yeah, so there yeah. was sensations that were happening that were real, but then there was like a lot of things like panic attacky stuff. And you thought you were having a heart attack? Yeah, that could ring in the ambulance. It's a symptom of a panic attack. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, everybody, yeah. like, this is the end. See you later. Oh, like, this is mad. <laughs> we love you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I remember, like, kind of being in the in the, in the the hospital ward once and sitting beside this old dude. He was like, that's, you know, you're going to be all right, man. That's just a panic attack. Ah. And I was like, no, it's not. So, not even it's a not, doctor? It's not a panic yeah, attack. Yeah. And I believed him. I didn't believe that the, the system, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's definitely something. I'm going to go home now, I'm going to fall down the car park, wait and see, you know, and uh, but it was always like that, like an anxious kid, you know, like even, like, yeah. um, I would have been a bit, sort of, I think something wrong with me, my so I think I'm a realist, you know what I mean, yeah, like this yeah. kind of thing, yeah. it was just ground Not to a hundred. Yeah, yeah, um, and, uh, you mentioned something there about the most important thing a person can do is try and improve things for everyone, mm. I'd love that. You know, I didn't. I never thought about it in that way. But that's actually what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no self-serving in, in this at all. Mm. It is self-serving in terms of obviously I'm learning so much from everyone I'm talking to. Mm. But my number one goal is that people will listen to it and people are contacting me all the time yeah, saying, yeah. "I love that yeah, what you yeah. said there, yeah, what your guest, what your interviewee said there." Mm. You know, and it's getting the conversation going about mm. it's okay first of all to not be okay mm. and to have that impact across a wide vector of people, spectrum yeah. of people, you yeah. know. Um, so well, it's, it's a matter, a matter, remember what I was going to say earlier, cool, yeah. and that was just about around the UDA <coughs> movement, and how important movement is, but we come back to that, but then yeah. you were, when you were saying, like I said, the most important thing that anyone can do yeah. is if, do something that affects everybody. Um, I'd say probably not, like, I wouldn't be, I, I'm just aware of how we phrase that because that might mean that someone out there would think they're not important because they haven't done that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, no, that, that's my so, phrasing. But okay, so would it be more that the, you would put something out there? It's like the value of doing that is yeah. so rewarding. It's like it's brilliant to be able to to feel like you're making a difference or having an impact. Yeah. And um, and that's what we're all kind of at, you know, in yeah. the world, I think, is to, we like, we need a bit of validation and mm. it's okay to, 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 um, to, to want that. And then um, we like to feel like we're making a difference, and that's so yeah. important, uh, and and it's so connected to growth. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the best thing that you can do is like uh, inspire others to do to improve. And then the rising tide lifts all boats. That was one of the first things that was said to me when I yeah. started writing. Um, and I remember a few years later saying, and someone was like, ah, "That's bullshit, though. You get a bit jealous, and you like to see people fuck up as well, don't you?" And I was like, no, but like, it's not about that. Of course, that those elements of your mind are there, yeah. but like, or the way you think, jealousy and kind of resentments and stuff like yeah. that, envy, yeah. big time, you know. But like, they're all ele- they're part of the human character. Yeah. But to be to be in a situation where you're happy when somebody else is happy, yeah, because of something that you did, it's just brilliant. You well, know, that, that helps you a, grow. Yeah, and it's such a reward thing. Like, um, and I. I didn't know that, that that not being not doing things like that was making me so unhappy. Yeah. Until I started doing it, and I was like, "Holy shit, man, yeah. this is like I remember I used to one day 
And maybe it's just because it's part of who I am or who I grew up to be. Mm. Like a rugby player has a big forehead, because you know, big strong brow, yeah. and you know all that, and like strong manly jaw. Because yes. he started playing rugby when he was a kid, yeah. and he grew and became that man through yeah. the process of playing rugby. And I probably think these things are very important to me because that's kind of all I've done. Like when I yeah. was 12, 13 years of age, I was standing up youth clubs because I was doing the Gashke, you know, the President's yeah, yeah. Award. And, uh, so running youth clubs from that age. You were kids. setting up youth clubs yeah, when you were a youth. Yeah, like, but that's what that's what you were invited to do by the school. It was like Kevin's is the school across the road and you were like helping make a youth. So you're in second year making a youth club for the first years. Yeah, very you good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and so he was always involved in that and like youth work and social community development and all that. Yeah. Like, just in a small scale way with the youth centres in the area. Mm. Um, but he always got so much out of it. Yeah. And there would have been fellas like me who would have came with that. And what was it that you got out of them? Just sense of, uh, I don't know, it's just nice connection with other things, isn't it? Connection with others, doing something that you know if someone becomes engaged in it, it's gonna help them. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and you were subverting the kind of the the popular thinking at the time was that Clondalkin was a kip, and mm. who's out there going, it's not a kip, mm. and I'm making sure it's not, and this is weird, isn't because we're sound, and you you know, and. and like, <laughs> Look it's such a simple message. Yeah, you know. Kandak is not a kip. And I'll tell you why, because we're sound. Yeah, we're actually sound, you know. Yeah, but and what else are you going to do? Are you going to do that? Or are you going to go row in with all the people who are feeling down about the area and not yeah. liking the area? Someone has to stand up. Yeah, and but, it, but the thing is, like, and it's like Ireland as well, it's like this, there's two coexisting narratives about how the country is. And there's probably two coexisting narratives about how humanity is right now it's like, we're actually great we're brilliant look you know everything's fucking amazing and mm. it's like actually it's falling it's all falling apart so yeah. we need to do something and but it's both of them at the same time absolutely the it's like this quantum state we exist in yeah and i, I always think of this like kind of mad thing about like the idea of the green zone in iraq yeah where they went in and they fixed it and then it was like then there was a wall around the tidy bit and then everything else was gone to shit outside. You know what I mean? It's like we've won and free freedom victory, you know, and it was all in the middle there and then everything else was just gone mad. Yeah. And you know And then they leave the greens on and that goes to shit again. Yeah, but then but in in like, you know, what's happening with your like Fortress Europe now mm. is the same thing. It's like, you know, we're all in here enjoying our consumerist individualist society yeah. world around us, it's all kind of falling apart. Yeah. But the reality is that those two, those two, that dichotomy, mm. that paradox of those two worlds existing at once, yeah. have to be reconciled somehow by people who could see the bigger picture. Yeah, you know. So someone yeah. has to bridge. What bridge people learn, you know, yeah, like your friends that are down to Calais to talk to the people to help. Yeah. Address the issues that you know that say France or yeah. uh, Greece and Italy are trying to. Are struggling to cope with, and like, the, but the people on the ground, like individuals, like who are picking people up out of the water, like as the ship collapses, like the people from the people from Clondalkin. Yeah, the, the Irish Navy are very active in yeah, the Mediterranean yeah, at the yeah. moment, aren't they? Hundreds of volunteers out there, and uh, they're all like at the cold face of trying to. And then there's all this stuff about like the idea of the foreigner, you know, that yeah. and the, the, the threat, the barbarian at the gate, and all this. Yeah. Whereas the reality is something far more complex and actually hard Absolutely. to hold in one fucking head you yeah, know what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, but all of that got I don't know how I made that jump from Plandaka to the Mediterranean <laughs> to Syria yeah but it's all it's all matters it's all connected it and matters. that's one of the weird things about who we've become since I left my job yeah. and said well you're going to do this so that's a, this thing. is a good point to let the listeners know that 
you were working a job for years. How many years? Thirteen years. Full time, permanent job. Mm. You know, yeah. Did you have kids at this stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had two. How many did you have? Uh, four kids. Four kids. Your partner, and you just said, "I have to follow my dream." Well, it wasn't. It was like there was no room for a fucking idiot like me in a business like that. That was part of the tale, you know, like this system that I was existing within, like, I was just, I didn't make any sense within it. Like, yeah, but was it not more about what you were going to do as opposed to getting out of what you it were doing? It was two things, like, I remember <coughs> the first time, the first thing I had published was in 2005, maybe, and that was when I decided I wanted to be creative, and I was working in this job anyway, mm. you know, and I was flicking through the radio stations going, there's nothing like that sense to me here anymore what's this Britney Spears bullshit like mm. why do we have to listen to that that's not what I want and then it was like so I was pushing off out of like the ordinary zone or the yeah. familiar popular area and yeah. going off and finding more diverse ways to express myself or to, yeah. to read and all that kind of stuff and I, I went through like loads of big classics at the time like you know uh, uh, The Invisible Man Ralph Ellison's brilliant yeah. book and stuff like that and I was like wait I need and then it was just so I was going through this uh, change and I got promoted in the job to go and work in this bigger job, a big factory like where it's like you're at, kind of right at the heart of what was happening with Celtic Tiger Island. Yeah. I was right there, like where this company kind of went insane with um, business. Like it just got so yeah, it just got so big. It was a printing company that's actually closed now, but mm. it, like and there was loads of sound lads there and all. Uh, but they were kind of they were like where it was at in that industry and they were very busy and yeah. it was kind of a bit mad and then we was promoted to go out there and be the ensuite representative yeah. of my company which would have supplied their company yeah and i just remember kind of going what the fuck is this like, yeah. and everyone played golf and everyone was like sounded the same and all the people like, and i was just like this is weird you know yeah. and then you had a shop floor like where all the people out there were different to the people in the oh, office yeah. and i yeah. was like this is and then i was torn up and like me suit and I remember one day I got a little rip in the, in the suit and I, was like, and I was struggling with the idea of being this guy that was in this place. Because it like just this. wasn't you. I, yeah, I think it was like, I, I'd been too far, too long outside of that thing to be yeah. part of it or something. Yeah, you're a writer, not an actor. Yeah, that was, well, probably, yeah, you know, and I just, it was just mad. And I remember like, just going home and born in the suit. I just walked around really? the corner and I was like, I'm not wearing that tomorrow. Going into Were you waving around saying it'd be great to trip off this or whatever? <laughs> yeah, probably. But, uh, and, and like. Would like, you really burn it? I just fucked on the fire, like, you know, it got a little rip and I was like, that's, that, that's the end of that, that's the end of that notion of being that fella that drives a BMW and like, yeah. like you know, fucking buy and sell and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's when I, that's when it was kind of, that's when I started to write. And maybe a couple of years after that, I was like shortlisted for a competition. And then yeah. everyone became aware in my job that I was this guy that did this other thing, you know what yeah. I mean? And Did you hear about Colin's new hobby? They were saying themselves. Yeah, I remember one fellow was like, "Oh man, like one of these uh, bosses like was like, I can see you being a writer because you're an uppity little fucker," <laughs> which we thought was summed it up. You know, it's like, yeah, well, you're always cheeking, you're always giving out, you're always talking, yeah. you never shut up. Like, yeah. which was kind of what like we just had this idea that, and it came from like I was saying about having to step down. Yeah. All of that, that like I didn't really have faith in authority. Yeah, so, so it, it definitely like, links yeah, back to that. Yeah, annoying things, you know. I was challenging the person. And then, um, I don't, it's just probably like one of my flaws, one of my weaknesses, as well as a strength in some ways, you know. Oh, the authority thing? Having a problem with it, yeah. Like, yeah. it kind of just like kind of the hackles go up and someone tries to boss me around, you know what I mean? Like, Nobody just, tells Colin what to do. Yeah, and it's funny, like, I love talking to taxi men because they're all like, oh, I'm exactly the same. I can never walk anywhere. That's why I'm driving this taxi. And I'm like, oh, my own boss. I'm like, oh, my own boss as well. Yeah, being an own boss. 
<laughs> no, we'd have put the taxi man in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm just yeah, I like that, I like that link with that with your with your childhood. And yeah, yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking for a Patrick Swayze to just come along and sweep me up the feet. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's any alive Patrick Swayze lookalikes out there, <laughs> Colin's yeah, in uh, Collins Town Community College yeah, in Cadoc, yeah, Dublin, twenty two. Just look me up, yeah. yeah. Put me on Tinder, not really. <laughs> no grinder, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So you decided to follow your dream, but it, I couldn't get away from it. Then I couldn't would leave me alone. What the, the job? Oh, bit yeah. Yeah, okay. no, I just okay. couldn't. Like, I couldn't oh, this stage you're still in the job. Yeah, and yeah. But this is your inversion like, in hobby. Over, over the next mm. 2013, like I left my job, and it wasn't like they had a talk. I mean, they're very nice about it. Like this isn't really working out, Colin, is it? Yeah. And I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. Let's just call it a day. It's not. Like, it's not me. It's you. Yeah, well, it was, it was like the end of a, a difficult marriage, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just wasn't working out. And uh, I was sort of like, and I'd be called up to the play, I'd be making mistakes all the time. So I'd say I gave the boss nightmares because it was such a waste that like, I was so bad at the job. Yeah. You know, because I didn't care about it. And you still got promoted. How was that? And it was years. Like, I got promoted, saw that place open and close, saw that everyone made redundant, saw what that did to all these people, had no faith in this business yeah. bullshit and everyone going around saying, Look, I'm sorry I have to sack you because yeah. it's just business or yeah. I'm sorry I'm a, I'm a prick to you. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm horrible to you because I'm your boss. It's just business, you know. I'm sorry there's no room for you as an individual in here. It's just business. I know we hate that model. Yeah. Um, and, what, and everybody there was brilliant at it. You know what I mean? I was just shit. You know what I mean? I was just yeah. really, I was just, in, and I, was, I was in a job that was making, I'd turn up to work and I'd be unhappy. Yeah. Because every everybody nobody had any faith in me because yeah. it was no use. I was actually not good at it, you know. And, so you didn't. Would you say you had to build up courage to leave it? Because we are under so much pressure. To provide for a mortgage, a kid. Yeah, a that, well, that's what happened. Was I was putting a three day week. We were all putting a three day week because uh, because what happened to the economy? And I saw like lights flick. Like there was like a switch flicked, and everyone where the others went, they all became like yes one also. A bit, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, so this is what it is now. Everyone's afraid. Of course. Afraid. Everyone, the whole country was terrified. Stress like, levels through the roof, people jobs. getting sick. Yeah, yeah, so. It was a horrible time. And um, and I, you know, and I knew that I wasn't a good member of this team, you know what I mean? I knew that I wasn't really any use to anyone else, and I, tr- I kept going into work and trying to be, Yeah. but I just couldn't fake it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, you know, I really do love you, and you're lying to someone to their face, it was like that. Yeah, going yeah. in, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally committed to this job and totally want promotions. Like, no, I'm fucking. Yeah, if only they could hear what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah, like somebody get me out of here, you know. And uh, but the only person who was going to do that was you. Yeah. And you, you, as you mentioned just there, it was you had this thing was gnawing away at you that there was something else there. Yeah, yeah. How and, did you and take? Like, but then, so, but that's what happened. Like when I was put on the three day week, and I saw this kind of whole idea of the thing that I was in, the company that I was in, the industry that I was in. I had no faith in it because I thought, right, it's, it's all kind of uh, fleet, temporary kind of... Bullshit. Well, it wasn't it wasn't bullshit. Like, I mean, you know, it was manufacturing. It was, the, the industry was manufacturing. People, um, everything that they were making was really important that needed to be made. You know what I mean? Okay. But, like, I just had no faith in I just realised that even if we stayed, I just kind of be wasting my life there if I was still yeah. 65. That was, that was one thing. And then it was like, you mightn't even get to stay there until 65 because yeah. you've already been on a three-day week twice. You know what I mean? Like, um, this thing is so tenuous and then and also you don't care about it and also you're not good at it anymore because yeah. it just was so bored by it. Like, and, um, uh, and, and when I was put on the three-day weeks, 
in sync in in conjunction with being not having the, the job anymore or looking at it and seeing it as this thing that you know mightn't last anyway. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, you need to adapt. You need to change up somehow. You need to develop yourself and get <coughs> find another way to have a better job or a different job or whatever, or something that makes you happier. And then I'd read a poem out at an event, and it was mostly just to do like, well, it was a poem about drug dealers, and and it was a poem in this accent. No way, like that's the one I'm gonna ask you to read. Which one? Dear Dealer. Oh yeah, yeah. No is way, that yeah. the one? Yeah, yeah. What's that poem? It's one of the most amazing things I've ever read. Oh, it's no amazing. Way. Thanks very much. People need to hear this. Well, it was more like that. I think it was like you're a poet. <laughs> you're talking about things that are happening right now, and you're talking about them in an accent. You talk, you're someone from the area where my yeah. kids and my school are from. Similar socio-economic yeah. situation. And I uh, thought this is, and all of the stuff connected with all my quick and, and new yeah. leadership experience. It was like, okay, this is back. the perfect fucking yeah. marriage of like a love of writing yeah. and working with young people and developing, developing young people and all of that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I, was, I was brought through that when I was a kid. When I, was, I did all those things and I was led along by a mentor you know, the teacher in the school who was like, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do quick and blah, blah, blah. And you can be good at this. Have faith in yourself. Don't be afraid to take risks, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then you figure out that you have, you can do whatever you want to if it's you take time on the planet and all. So when those two things came together, I was like, that's what I want to do forever. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, it couldn't, I couldn't make it happen because I couldn't find the proper model for it. You know, yeah. it was like... Well, you knew it was going to happen, though. Uh, well, no, that's it, a good starting point. Yeah, well, I did. I did. Somewhere inside... Yeah, like my, little, uh, my little radar was kind of saying, "Oh, I'll go that way." But yeah. I was the fear was like, "You need it. You need to. You need a stable job." Yeah. All the stuff they are told when you're leaving school: don't be creative because it's a bit risky. Yeah. Go and get a real job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, so I was, I was kind of trying to bide my time, and I was trying to fake the job. The fact <laughs> that I was like, "Yeah, yeah, well, I'm totally walking here." I'm at the mouse, like sneaking up every forty minutes because my head was gonna explode with boredom. And then, <laughs> um, and. Uh, then just when it came to the point where I just, I'd made, I'd actually, to be honest with you, I'd fucked up so often in the job that, you know, I was going to get fucked out of my year yeah. properly hard if we didn't mm-hmm. uh, come to some sort of arrangement with the way we live with dignity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, that's what I did. I just said, look, yeah, man, it's time to go. Yeah. And, you know, that was it. And when that happened, it was like, you know, that does an old book like, um, Something about a parachute, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like, uh, it's something about you, the, the book is all about like when you're making a change in careers, you can't make the, ch- you can't wait for the change to happen, you have to make it happen. Yeah. So it was kind of, that's what was happening. And it was like, like it's, I could sense it was like, yeah. this, this is a moment I always wanted to happen. I always knew it was going to be scary. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be this fucking scary, <laughs> but here we go. And just, it's just jump out of the, yeah. the plane. For the, I hope your parachute works. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a great element of faith in that. Yeah. But listeners, I hope you heard what Colm just said there. You can't wait for the change to happen. You have to make it happen. Yeah. It's been also a consistent theme in all seven episodes of the podcast that I've recorded mm. so far. So and I'm delighted it. that you said that. Yeah, it's, nice uh, it's it's a thread. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's, there's two things. Like, we think that we've now powered over everything. But then the only thing, the only way things change is if one fella changes it. It's like the fella that started the revolution in Romania, like the one fella yeah. in the crowd, yeah. you know, and they're all cheering on for Ceausescu. Yeah. And then one fella says, do you know what, fuck Ceausescu. <laughs> and then they all go, yeah, actually, why don't we say that? And then they all just start saying it because yeah. they were all feeling it. And it took the one guy It was to, the bravery of that one man. And do it. 
and um, and that kind of revolutionary this this singular idea that kind of is their way to take over yeah kind of that's yeah yeah and you have you have to make the jump sometimes and risk we think is so connected to growth yeah you know the little bulb that pushes out aside you know the little front the little kind of stalk that pushes out yeah. from the bulb is going what the fuck is this shit you know yeah, we yeah. don't even know what's happening they're yeah, not just yeah. reaching out and you have to take that shot in the dark and um I don't think uh, I, I I think there's one thing that's very interesting for me in all of this is my friend Callum Ryan, who's a writer as well. He said, uh, and he's quoting somebody, probably Wilke or something. I can't remember who it was, but coincidences are signs from the future that you're on the right path. And, we're, and when he said that to me, it I just got like it just got a chill. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. But he said he said that he said that to me when we were chatting one night about like the lovely synchronicity stuff and. Myself and him and another guy, there was a photograph of Stephen James Smith, there was a photograph of the three of us taken together, and it just was like, that means we have to do something together, you yeah. know, and it's just like, sometimes there's these little, I remember, I was lucky to have to go to council when I was very young, mm. you know, my stepdad was kind of usurped, yeah. you know, and he was fucked out of the house, and yeah. uh, my mum kind of looked at me and my brother and said, you guys, we all need to go somewhere and talk about yeah. you know the situation she was very forward thinking wasn't yeah, she yeah yeah and uh, we were lucky and that was great for me I can't remember why that, what that's connected to what were the sentences before um, about change oh yeah yeah. and I ended up reading all the fucking self help books yeah. and one of them was that one uh, The Road Less Travelled oh yeah and, and, then was, and then I was like well, yeah, and I started eating up like gorging on all that stuff like reading yeah. loads of it my, like, my mum's going to be listening to this and yeah. she has been putting that in front of me since I was Ten years old. No way, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what what was your favourite part of the road less travelled? Uh, I can't really remember. Do you, you know, have a, do you have a sense of it though? Early twenties. Uh, but the thing I was going to talk about was like the thing that I got out of talk, reading all of them, and it might have been the one after that, the road less travelled. And then there's another one after that, which is probably like the road second less travelled. <laughs> further down the road. The junction, let's <laughs> the, the, turning the corner on the road, let's travel. They can't remember. Going Left down the pub. <laughs> yeah. Going down the slipway, the road, let's travel. <laughs> the lesser yeah. known second version. Changing <laughs> the tyre on the road, let's travel. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was just like. On <laughs> the road, let's travel. <laughs> <laughs> so we apologise to the poor quality of these gags. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was, there was something he said about serendipity. Right. And about how when things fall into your lap sometimes, they might necessarily be the thing that you're looking for, but mm. you should take them when they come. Mm. And I remember thinking, and then around the time when I first read a poem, say, in public, yeah. in, in fear for my life, that would be people shout, Imposter! Fake! He's spoofing! Look at him! Uh, <laughs> I read Richard Branson's cheesy little book, Say Yes to Everything. Right. And it was just this idea that, like, if you take risks, like, you yeah. get rewards. The thing is to not fear the mistake, yeah. you know. And I hope you're listening really intently at the moment, <laughs> listeners, because he's, this this man is blowing my chops off with all these sound points. But that's the but that's the thing. Like, it's like if you don't be don't be afraid to take risks. But I think it was always you know that does does research they did on mice and like gen- were genetically predisposed to risk or not. Yeah, and like they they put these two mice like one was one in this little experiment was black and one was white like yeah. you know or grey and white or whatever fucking I don't know how you even yeah. split mice up. They weren't promoting racism between. No, mice no, and... no, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, 
So it was two mice, uh, it, like, um, one with blue eyes and one with green eyes. I don't know. But there was two different mice, and they were put down in this little kind of cross-shaped structure, and yeah. one side had tunnels and one side had none. And depending on the predisposition, some of them would just run straight out and go, oh, look at all this stuff out here. Straight out to the edge, yeah. and look over the edge, and, kind of, and risk falling off. Yeah. And then the other ones just land and just run into the tunnel. Yeah. And some people are like that, and you need that. You need that kind of conservative reserve yeah. kind of like not go anywhere and that steady kind of buzz and then but you need risk as well yeah and I think most people would be would fall in the middle yeah exactly and it's necessary like Tony Robbins talks about you know he says he loves his he loves sound bites yeah he's a writer from American life coach mm. and he says he talks about all the needs of human beings but he says in equal amounts human beings need certainty mm. and uncertainty <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Listening to this thing, my head spinning off, <laughs> going, totally agree with you, but not being able to understand that at the time. And mm. it's kind of the same as we need certain amount of risk, but we also need a certain amount of security. And I was only talking today to somebody about um, uh, this idea of, like, you know, like a spinning stone. Yeah. I read about that as well, like, where, and it was a conversation around the arts and about the avant garde trying to escape tradition how tradition is the string mm. and you're spinning the stone around and the stone never escapes tradition it's always at the edge kind of out yeah. there and I think we were, we're about to those things we need the yeah. stability it's like Maslow's fucking hierarchy yeah, yeah. you know yeah. you need all the new stuff you need to be yeah. able to breathe oxygen for a start it's you, know, helpful, it's you need security safety field and then you can think of the other things yeah. and a difficult thing for a lot of people now in Ireland is that like there are people out there who literally can't find the bus fare mm. to get to the job interview because things are so hard for them, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, it's the real uh, cart before the horse yeah. sort of situation for people, yeah. which is really difficult. And a lot of it is to do with decisions that have been made. Sure. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. to kind of, to prioritise some things over other things. Like paying back billions of deaths. Yeah, and you making know, exactly. everybody pay for it. And then giving out to people because they're not paying the water charges. Mm. And, you know. We're definitely not going to talk about that today. We we'll never stop talking. They can't pay the water charges, yeah. you know what I mean? And like literally can't pay them because they paid, but they're broke. Yeah, you know, because that's the other thing. Like that was another thing around the time when the job changed. Um, for me, you know, when recession hit, was um, everyone just took pay cuts, higher yeah. taxes, pay cuts straight away, an immediate thing, and everyone just did it. Yeah, everyone was like, okay, that's what we have to do to make everything better. Well, we were told. Yeah, <laughs> you know, swallow the hole. Yeah, I don't, don't, don't. I still know people that are really. Everyone's there's a lot of people still struggling out there. Yeah. But the thing is, like, is you know the old cheesy thing of like accept what you can change and change the things you can. Mm. Sometimes you just have to wait. It's and that's the other flip side of this this idea of wellness. And me, like, I'm living to exist in this quantum state over the past three years where it's been. It's, my life has never been harder. Mm. Like, like really difficult. It's put my family under more pressure like, yeah. because my financial situation is so yeah. all over the place. And then we have to hustle all the time. Yeah. And then we have to like find the next job like kind of all yeah. the time. Like yeah. so and and there's no consistency and there's there's no kind of guy there that just does your accounts. There's no pay slip at the end of the week. Yeah. It's all me now. You know, so that's a lot, a lot of, of insecurity so there. There's a lot of insecurity, but it's brilliant. Yeah. As well. Because I feel like more alive than I've ever felt because I'm actually in control of my own destiny. And because you I, feel better, you feel more well, you feel brilliant. Yeah, it gives you the energy to do the hustle, to do what you need to do yeah, to you know yeah. get the paycheck and, and 
like so but with me now there's two things going on ways one is like they're trying to like look after my own creativity which mm. is challenging because they have to look after getting paid because I've got lots of like you know responsibilities so I read I read something there when I was preparing for for this podcast where you said you can't spend the day writing because that's the day less pay yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, well, and that's what was great about the. Like, I nearly finished my novel when I got a residency, and it's mad. So here I am giving out about decisions that the government have made, but then in some ways, yeah. you know, uh, and there's a big conversation going on right now around like the importance of the arts and how the government is yeah. neglecting the arts. Mm. But I, I've been funded by the government yeah. many times. It's so madly to come from where I come from, yeah. and uh, and this and to see so much kind of disadvantage in a way yeah. and to experience it and to work in skills that yeah. are desh skills which means desh means they're funded in a different way because yeah. they're in a disadvantaged area yeah. to work in those skills see all the social economic and educational disadvantages yeah. there but it's an audacious statement as well to say that books matter that much you know um, to Ireland as a country yeah um, well, it's like what we were talking about earlier you someone has to stand up yeah and say that yeah or else the funding will get cut forever. Yeah, yeah. Like you did about Clondalk and we're sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anyone else know? No? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. It has to be yeah. done. Yeah. And your energy, over the, like we've been talking now for the last hour or so, but your energy completely changed when you went from talking about the job in the factory mm. to when you got the opportunity, like for example, to come into Collinstown Community yeah. College or go yeah. to the prisons to do work with people. Mm. So that to me shows that you have landed definitely yeah. in something that is completely drives your passion. Yeah, man. Feels your passion. So, well, sometimes I go home and dizzy with the profundity of my experience <laughs> in just one day. Yeah. You know, like I go to skill, I could go to three skills in a week. I was in Fermanagh where there was a where this girl wrote home about a skill that was blown up, and nobody talked about it, and nobody admitted who blew it up. Mm. And it looked like it sealed a lot of people for the skill to blow up, and then nothing was ever done about it. And they didn't replace the skill. And I was like, that's why poems exist. That's why we write yeah. poems for things like that. And she wrote this great poem. And I was privileged to that party to watching her, the emotional, yeah. her face, and how, how difficult it was for her to write that yeah. and to own that thing that's been kind of suppressed in mm-hmm. her own mind, like, you know, so in the collective consciousness up yeah. there. Deadly. Probably right? more so than her own mind with the collective consciousness. Yeah, yeah. and then that. going from that. <clears throat> down the road to Watford and going in and sitting at a table with three or four Polish lads a guy from, from the Congo whose parents had sent them over to get away from what was happening there yeah. a guy from Syria sitting at the table and an Af- a guy from Afghanistan all sitting with me writing poems in Watford the guy in Syria's like, village had been destroyed he's a, he's a, he's a migrant from the war and he's sitting at the same I'm sitting at this table talking to him and then I'm going, and, that, and, the, and I'm feeling this pain, and I'm seeing this pain, and I'm seeing all of this, like, and then trying to put it, and then, you're, and then I'm having so much laugh, and I'm traveling around the country, yeah. seeing all this beauty, yeah. and then seeing all this difficult stuff that's going through, yeah. and experiencing it, and feeling all that, and then got coming home at the end of the day, going, yeah. fucking hell, man. Overload, you know? and it can't be an overload, because you just love it so much. Well, no, I mean, like, sometimes... It's like, like, I thought, like, when I got into this, it would be like, oh, they, it's, it's a way of finding answers. But then I, but I know more, do you know what I mean? Yeah. About everything. But I don't know what the fuck I know for. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's like, wonderful. And it's I, th- I think in terms of, you know, this podcast, I just, 
I'm gonna be interviewing Relish, the musicians, you know, the oh, band yeah, from yeah, the north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm also gonna be interviewing Dave Moore from Today FM. Oh, cool! Yeah, uh, they're at Dave show, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I just love talking to people and witnessing their them talking about their passions. Yeah, yeah. And I feel very privileged to have just heard you describe that what you described about with the Syrian guy and the Afghan mm. study and. Mm. I got quite emotional there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what I mean? That's mad as well. Because it was true passion that you were fully connected with these mm. people. I was fully connected with you yeah. when you were talking about that. Yeah. And I just feel this unbelievable sense of peace and excitement inside here. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Feeling it in your waters. Feeling it in your waters, yeah. <laughs> and I talk to people about that all the time, about how we're never here. I know, the yeah. listeners can't hear us, but me and we're Colin are, we're pointing at our, well, for me, basis. my belly. Him, his six pack. My solar plexus, yeah. Raymond Chandler said, if you're not writing from a solar plexus, you're wasting your time. It's a beautiful and, thing. And uh, that's what I talk to people about. And, I, and the other thing you were saying, you're getting a bit emotional. Yeah. And I, I was going, I was, and I, sometimes I, I feel a bit, um, a bit emotionally stretched by my experiences. Yeah. And so one day I went in and I was I'd like, people open up to me. And are people open up because of the, and I, Maybe it's not just me, maybe it's the self, or it's the mm. situation that these people find themselves in. But it's a mad line of work where you go home and someone say to you, how did you get on? So it's really good, like everybody quiet. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, <laughs> and you go home, it's like, but like, yeah. there's, and there's all this, like, and it's all upwelling, it's all people yeah. getting in touch with it. And sometimes they're not ready for it. And they go, I'm not going there. And you go, okay. Yeah. But then a lot of them, it's just like opening this trap door and all this stuff just comes out. And it is, you're right, it, it can be emotionally yeah, um, yeah. stretching is yeah. a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Draining, probably not because you get so much out of it, but stretching is a good yeah. And description. Like, yeah, and then I find I keep trying to write about it all happening all at once, but it's like the palm be too fucking big. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, it's like, how do you. Yeah, not enough letters in the alphabet put, for that one. Yeah, how to put the universe in your pocket, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just mad. So. Like the cat in uh, what was it? Is it? The cat in Men in Black. The whole universe on its. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was cool. I was only watching it the other day. Yeah. It's a little fella. Great film. Mm. But um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on today, Colin. Yeah, no, but I feel like I just waffled pointlessly for an hour. No, we, <laughs> it was a chat amongst friends. Yeah, nice one. Um, would you mind reading one of your poems before we finish? Yeah, no, but would I. Would that be okay with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. So I've selected the one that we referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. Because I just think it's a wonderful piece of writing and it's called Dear Dealer. Yeah. So in your own time. Yeah, I kind of know this one anyway. Okay. I don't think I need to type off. But, um, <coughs> yeah, and again, like when I'm talking about like, just when stuff just the upwelling or the, like um, when you're feeling something and you have to act on it, I think that's like, um, that's why I didn't like business because I'm probably too emotional for business, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, this kind of came from just reacting to the fact that my daughter had saw a shooting, and I know had she's thank God she hadn't seen a shooting, yeah. but she she passed by um, the crime scene and she said, "Why did the man do that?" And mm. I was like, "Why did she have to even understand that that happens?" And I wanted to protect her from that. And I was angry about it, and uh, I saw I was talking to an old friend then, and he was like had aspirations to be involved in that kind of thing, and I was just very frustrated. And this is just what came over. Um, and it's called Dear Dealer. Now don't get me wrong, I've had some nice times with blokes like you. Been in the company of some real nice jaws, dudes, buds and bros, young books with bright clothes who brighten this room with their presence. 
but it's endlessly depressing when you lean in close like that and say, here, listen, if you're stuck, I can hook you up with coke or blow just so you know, and the way you wink, not realising what I'm thinking. Are you stupid or what? Have you simply forgotten all them other scurrying specimens? Yeah, sure, you'll be different. You're going to make it. You'll avoid the rats on the run, all them psychos with guns. And if you do survive, God help us. Because you'll be just like all the rest. Every common man's worst nightmare, your twisted best. As you develop a blind spot for the children watching. When you shoot men in the head. All hopscotch stopped dead by some brow at daddy's blood. Spraying a short spattering rain that burns like acid into our childhoods. But now, not you, hands open your plate. You'll just be one of those nice dealers. You'll just take what you need and have nothing to do with the bodies piling up in newspapers, brains exposed to the air, a steaming mess of black thoughts and guilt to be tiptoed round and waded through, not just by me, but by every other poor dope who has to live in this coliseum that your filthy claws have the gall to maul and shape from the muck on our woods clean streets. So please, excuse me if for the sake of my dignity I'll keep you away from me. And in my mind, I'll paint you black as I smile with quiet tact and count those targets on your back as you live. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's such a beautiful piece of writing, man. And I really love the acid rain. Yeah. Yeah. Do people say that to you a lot, Ben? I, no. Do people I don't, yeah. pick out parts of or particular lines that impact them? See that one for me now? We do that a lot in skills. Yeah. You know, and they just be going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Now, like, I, 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 when, when it was, when it was right now, when I got to that part, I, I'd found something within me that I didn't know was there when I wrote it the way I wrote it. But I think it always, probably I was a bit too, Pablo Narudas, um, I'm explaining a few things when he talks about the blood is on the streets, come and see the blood, yeah. you know, and, yeah. um, yeah, but the image, I don't know where that like was. I don't know where that came like. But sometimes when you get into something and you don't know how you feel about it really, but you have to get it out. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you get the good stuff there. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it's just so impactful. Yeah, and it, it's it's just it's. I'm just thinking as I was saying it there. Like I was talking about one particular area, you know. Yeah. But like when I was outside, I was down in Sligo. Over in Sligo, up in Sligo, I don't know how to say it. Like, over. Over and up a little bit. <laughs> um, I was, you I was, just take the road less travelled there. I was over in Sligo and um, the lads were like, oh, Dublin's really tough and everyone's shooting everybody in Dublin, aren't they? Yeah. Now, like, that's the perception because of what's going on with this latest thing. Yeah. But it's just the same, except it's getting more media attention now. Yeah. Well, you know, think the frequency has gone up a little bit in the tip for yeah. the speed of the action yeah. um, but again it's all to do with you know um, I remember years ago like just thinking you can be a person that makes the area nicer mm. or you can be a person that makes it worse and I was like I'm going to be a person I'm going to try and make what's around me nicer yeah. Yeah. you know exactly. um, if people want to um, access your Poetry you're writing, where would they go? Um, well, I have a website if you just look up Colin Keegan, poet and writer, because there's another famous Colin Keegan. Oh, he's a singer. Yeah, yeah. Colin looks great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see that Wikipedia? So it's the handsome Colin Keegan, and then there's Colin Keegan, the poet. 
but he's um, yeah, he's he's got ColinKeegan.com and all that, you know. Um, what a bollocks! Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know who he's messing with. Ah, uh, it's funny, man. One time, somebody put um, I was doing an event and somebody put his picture. In the <laughs> <laughs> they all dis- all disappointed when they saw me. <laughs> Stop, will you? Uh, everybody who's everybody who's listening to us uh, waffle on here, have a look at Colin Keegan or Google Colin Keegan. Colin Keegan poet, poet, and, then and writer. Up, even though we but don't want if you just poet. if you just Google Colin Keegan, you will see the actor, the, the ta- handsome singer, the handsome Colin tanned Colin Keegan. Yeah, Why don't man. you want to be called a poet? Is it um, too restrictive? I don't. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Man. It's but really you are a poet. I've been, I've been, I've been commissioned to write a play. <clears throat> Oh, and then I know, like, if it does see the light of day, it'd be like, Paul Colin Keegan has tried to write a play. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that, it's just like, fucking, yeah. let me be whatever. I, I don't know. Exactly. It's like, it depends on the day of the week, surely. Yeah, yeah. We're beyond definition. Yeah. Aren't we? You know what I mean? Stop and defining then, yourself, people. This thing about, like, being a poet, mm. it's just, has, you know, I hate, like, just, I have, no, I have a saying, I have a person who tells about a poet. You know what I mean? Yourself, it's like, there's no poet. I'm a poet. <laughs> Take off the yellow book axes on my jacket, and, yeah. you know, yeah. And my Would you like a cigar? Yeah, my pretentious notions. Now be a pipe. It's a, a pipe, sorry. Pipe yeah. or even a, yeah, I don't know. And a tricycle. <laughs> In the old days, you know, the massive back wheels. Penny Farney. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you poet, it's just how Colin Keegan poet and writer and everything. And someone was like, why are you calling yourself both? It's not the same thing. And I was like, they're kind of not the same thing in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, a poet is something. I don't, I think, like, I might be a poet in a few years. I mean, still oh, I understand what you mean. Then. You know? um, so you're not quite there yet in your own mind, and that's why you have an issue with it. Yeah, prob- probably. And I don't really take, like, I, t- I suppose I take, I look down on poetry in some ways, but I take it seriously enough to, and I, I have a lot of respect for, like, poets that I'm not as good as, that, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. And, and, like, I just fucking hate the whole. Labels? Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I'm just being a poet. Like and it's going to kill because like people go, are you, are you a poet? And like it's some young, like it's funny around here, man. Someone said like I went into a school and I was like walking down poetry with them all, and they couldn't get their head around the fact that like I was living in the area. Yeah, that was the thing that blew their mind. And any time they see me now, they're like, Deadly. you know, like that's that fella that lives in that estate. Yeah, they, they, that's what they think of me as. They don't yeah. think of me as the poet. Like just yeah. think of this this anomaly. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. This um, glitch in the matrix, yeah, Colin yeah, Keegan, poet yeah. and writer. <laughs> yeah. I really regret now introducing you as Colin Keegan, poet. No, no, that's, no, I mean, like, that's, that's my that's, perception. No, that's here, man. That's what it is. That's what people are saying. So that's that's what it is, I suppose. So you've been commissioned to write a play mm. and you have, have you finished your novel? Yeah. Uh, no. Are you still in the process of doing that? Yeah. Um, see, uh, this other thing as well is like things <laughs> keep, stay, say yes to everything, but don't say yes to too much. Like, I'll probably say yes to too much. You know it's, I mean? it's a bit of a shit name for a book, though. Yeah. Say yes to everything, but don't say yes to too much. Yeah, because you're going to run out of... Oh, on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, um, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was writing a novel and then I was asked to bring out a poetry collection. I never even submitted. Yeah. I never even... Like sent it anywhere. To oh, get you were away. asked to do that. Would you like to? Would you oh, like to publish it? And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, of course. That's so. May, may as well put the focus on that. And then after, yeah, my, that, my copy's on the the shelf at home. Oh, nice I bought it that night that I met you in, in Ballymun. And after that, then I was like, <coughs> right. I when I first left the job, I was like, right, I'm gonna write a film. <laughs> so I have a screenplay that's 
knock it around there. And then yeah. I ran out of time with that and I just ended up moving on to yeah. something else. And then uh, when I got the residency, I spent it, I spent most of my time on the novel there. Yeah. Uh, but then it was like I was running out of time where I was yeah. kind of, I've, I've, my second collection of poetry is coming out yeah. soon as well. So I had to kind of prioritise that. And so then that, I just. Is that, the, is that coming out this year? Uh, it's probably going to come out in the autumn, yeah. And what's it going to be called, do you know? Uh, I don't know. I have a couple of titles. What's this space? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have one name in mind, but I'm not sure. It might change, you know what yeah. I mean? So I'm not going to say it out in case we don't stop, can't be even figuring out the name is now in book. No, no, it's a, that has to just happen yeah, when it's yeah. the right time. If you guys want to uh, hear Colin performing or watch him performing, there's many videos on YouTube. Don't forget to put poet and writer after the Colin Keegan, or you'll be <laughs> watching some random not, person who's not from Kadokan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So thanks so many for coming on. Yeah, no bother. Thanks for really taking the time out of your schedule. <laughs> and thanks for listening to the podcast. I love yeah. when I come to interview people and they say, oh, I was listening to something last week. So. Yeah, no, really interesting. And um, love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, sound. Scratch the surface, yeah. Oh, can I plug something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I run a thing called Kingfisher Writers Retreats, okay. which is basically like the yoga retreat model. Okay. But we're creative writing, so... Um, if you want to look that, if you look up Kingfisher Writer Retreats, yeah. you'll find me probably quicker if you put in that and yeah. Colin Key. And where, where is it? Where are they held? Um, they're up in a place called Kapur up in the mountains. It's like um, a lovely sort of. It's it's kind of an adventure centre, but they have holiday homes there as well. Yeah. It's at the source of the Liffey, which has loads of lovely connotations for creativity, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I found it like because I used to go kayaking up there, and um, yeah, three three days of intensive kind of writing. With downtime as well, a bit of mindfulness, a bit of meditation thrown in. Great. Um, a couple of evening meals. And when, when is the next one up? Uh, it's actually, I'm only doing one now. because One per year? Yeah, well, I, I, I did four last year and I found it hard going to kind yeah. of fill them and stuff like that. So this year I'm just focusing on doing one, but like with two houses. So right. there's going to be a bit more crack and stuff. And like what, what date is that going to be? That's the 8th of July. All the details are on my website. Okay. You know, so, okay, so Kingfisher Retreat. Kingfisher. Kingfisher Writers Retreat, yeah. Kingfisher Writers Retreat, yeah. Cool. Nice one, man. Cheers. We're shaking hands. We're shaking hands. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, cheers.